0: Coming up in this episode. Watching the British media, it is like a ping pong game. You know, with hints here hints there. The armed media is a free wrestling with iron chairs and tables. In the armed media, you cannot act like as if you are in the BBC or Sky News. It doesn't work. Democracy is a Western world which some countries still think that it can be imposed on Islamic and Arab societies. What, freedom of women to do whatever they like, with whoever they like, whenever they like? This is totally unacceptable in traditional societies as we see in the Middle East. Gays and lesbians' rights? Forget it. Freedom from religion? You know what will happen to you if you are a Muslim and you announce that you leave Islam only because you don't like it? They will kill you immediately. The leading families in the Gulf and the same leading families who were leading the clans 200 years ago when they were riding camels in the desert. Today they are riding golden Lamborghinis. Let's emulate the paradigm which works in the Middle East, the clan state. Okay, let's have an emirate in Hebron, an emirate in Jericho, another one in Ramallah, and so forth in the Arab cities in Judea and Samaria, while Israel should remain forever in the rural areas, offer Israeli citizenship to the villagers. And, this, and if, you, if they want to have a federation, then us have a federation, like the United Arab Emirates. Although they know that I'm in Israel, and I go with with a tip on my head and I go with, them, uh, with the Israeli flag, they know exactly who I am and what I am. But yet, uh, once I speak Arabic, it is actually an opening uh, of the ears, the mind, and it's sometimes the hardest way.
1: Well.
0: Shalom. Assalamu alaikum.
2: This is Peace Talk, a podcast about Israel and the Middle East. I'm Jonathan Zajidotti, a Jewish journalist from the UK. I am Murtaz Khalil Mizo, Egyptian Muslim journalist based in London. We're delighted this episode to be joined by Modichai Kedar from Israel. He is a professor of Arabic culture at the Begin Sadat Center at Bar Ilan University. Professor Kedar, thanks so much for joining us on Peace Talk.
0: Very hi Jonathan.
2: So let me start by saying I first became aware of you I think many years ago in that really famous Al Jazeera clip where you I think uh, taught a bit of Quran to the presenter there. Uh, Gamarayim. Exactly. Gamarayim. Um, I think probably a lot of people over here in the UK uh, discovered you in a similar way. Uh, But what's always struck me as as being extraordinary is your uh, absolute understanding, not just of of Arab culture, but I think in a way, how you communicate with the Arab world is very different to what a lot of Westerners do. Can you speak a little bit to that, how how your approach is different and how you speak with uh, people on the other side, let's say?
0: Well, first of all, the question of language. Uh, because in the Middle East, most of the people do not speak neither English nor French. Uh, most most people speak Arabic and that's it. Therefore, if you really want to approach them, if you really want to say something which they will understand, you have to speak in, in Arabic. Uh, not only this, uh, many people in the Middle East actually hate to speak English or to hear English because they associate the language with the English people. And in most parts of the Arab world, Britain is viewed as the evil because of uh, colonialism, the establishing of the state of Israel, the Sykes-Picot agreements. That's why speaking to them in English reminds them, uh, you know, of uh, Britain and the hegemony, which Britain, not to mention the, Uh, the uh, uh, British uh, rule over Egypt uh, since the uh, late uh, 19th century. So uh, definitely to to speak in English in the Middle East doesn't sound good uh, to Middle Easterners. And therefore, when we Israelis speak in English to Arabs, they associate us with the colonialism, with the British colonialism, let alone the Balfour Declaration And uh, all the process which actually brought Israel to the world, uh, which is viewed as something which is a sin of the British Empire. So, speaking English is not good here in the Middle East. Therefore, if you really want to uh, approach you have to speak in Arabic. Now, even if, look, I speak literary Arabic, I don't speak the uh, the colloquial languages, because as you know, in Arabic, there are many dialects uh, of Arabic. I usually speak in literary Arabic, which no Arab uh, speaks. Mm-hmm. They appreciate it, although they know that I'm in Israeli and I go with my, with a keep off on my head and I go with the uh, with the Israeli flag. They know exactly who I am and what I am. But yet, uh, once I speak Arabic, it is actually an opening uh, of the ears, the mind. It is sometimes the
1: hardest way. And what about if uh, you speak Hebrew? You know in the Middle East, you, you know, doctors, some of my families, also my friends, hate me as a result of my speaking and enter to learn Hebrew in the university. Um, uh, they, they told me that I am Arabic Sunnis as... <laughs> Arabic Arab as... yeah. yeah. This is the Middle East.
0: Look, in the Arab world, in many cases, the other, with the big O, is more or less the enemy, because it's much men, not from us. different tribe, different clan, different ethnic group, different religion, and we are all different. We are different people, we are different religion, we are different uh, mindset, we are different culture, we are more, much more liberal, we are much more individualistic, we are not landish society, so uh, speaking in Hebrew means that somebody uh, actually is crossing the lines and moved into the Jewish uh, 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 environment. <laughs> well, and it also a betrayal of Islam because the Islam views the Jews as it means uh, people who should live under the yoke of Islam, and the Jews, as you know, have to pay the jizya. wahu when they are humiliated, and it's according to the Quran, and the Jews are prophet killers, the Jews are Ahfad al-Pirdaw al-Khanazir, with the descendants of uh, apes and swines, so, you know, all the bad things which can be said about Jews are being said in the environment. So whoever actually tries to approach the Jews, to talk to them, not to mention uh, to learn their language, is depicted as a traitor, who crossed the lines uh, to the uh, enemy. Uh, There there is a verse in the Quran, which says, Okay, you you will find uh, those who are the most haters, of the Muslims, the Jews. Okay, so there are so many uh, ways, so many reasons why to hate the Jews and whoever studies Hebrew, like what does, it's viewed as like uh, Jesus. I mean, it's a, uh, a, 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 a spy. A, a spy who is approaching the Jews in order to reveal our secret. I read that your first language was actually Yiddish, is that correct? Well, my parents were speaking in Yiddish because they both came from Poland in the thirties, uh, before the war. So what brought you to um, to learn Arabic? How early on in your life did you decide you wanted to learn Arabic? Well, it is thanks to one good teacher, a man named Dov Hiron. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, he was a great man. He was very attractive, magne- magnetic, and he magnetized us a group of 13 kids and of uh, the eleventh grade, and we for two years we learned Arabic in the lessons of Arabic, we learned Arabic the lessons of history and biology and English, and in the bus to the school, in the bus from the school, and during the night we put the dictionary under the pillow so the content will uh, infiltrate our brains through I the wish night. it worked that way. We believe well, we believe it works <laughs> and and at the end of the twelfth year, we have already read parts of the Quran, uh, Hadith, uh, lit- uh, literature, modern literature. We read Tafsir and Ayah by Tafsir. We read, Tahsen, uh, uh, we read uh, uh, classical Arabic. We read even Jewish uh, things in Hebrew, uh, in English, in Arabic. Which, as you know, many uh, books of Jew- Jewish tradition were written in Arabic because Jews were living in the Arab world. And uh, we mastered Arabic, almost totally could read the newspaper from cover to cover uh, without any dictionary. And that's why we went to the intelligence. I I went to the military intelligence. I was there for 25 years, uh, making my, my Arabic even better. And then I joined the academia in the mid 90s and I uh, was there until uh, recently when I uh, retired. So all my, let's say 55 years, uh, last 55 years, I'm in the Arab world, in the Islamic world, in Arabic, and uh, this is why the media found me when I was released. And, uh, and Jazeera, I must say, although they don't like me, they actually gave me the boost uh, in this uh, uh, and, uh, interview which I had already in 2008. And I owe Jamal Rayan a lot of my uh, fame. So let me ask
2: you, um, perhaps to to talk business now, you're perhaps most famous for your, um, we hear a lot at the moment about two state solutions and how countries like the US and the UK are sort of using this opportunity of the, the savage attacks of October the 7th to somehow try and promote Palestinian statehood uh, as some kind of reward, let's say. You're a proponent of an eight-state solution, uh, the Palestinian Emirate. Could you run us through a little bit about that? And also, I saw a video that was published on YouTube on the 6th of October, the day before all this, where you were once again outlining that. Um, Do you stand by it now? Do you think it's been
0: uh, proven right or set back at all? The is actually the fourth of uh, what I say. In very short, the Arab world in general is uh, uh, divided into two kinds of states. One kind is the failing states and the other kind is the successful states. The failing states are Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Sudan, Yemen, Libya, Algeria to a large extent, while the successful states are Kuwait, Qatar, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, five more Emirates in the United Arab Emirates, in the UAE, uh, Oman, and Saudi Arabia. The, The question is, why are those failures and why are those successes? People initially would say because of the oil in the Gulf, but this is wrong because Iraq has a lot of oil and it's a failing state. And Libya also has a hell of a lot of oil and it is a totally failing state. Dubai, on the contrary, has no oil and no gas. And this is a very successful state. So evidently, it's not the oil. So what is the element which makes this success and this failure? The element is the sociology. All the failing states are conglomerates of clans, ethnic groups like Kurds, Arabs, Turkmen's, Berbers in North Africa, religious groups, Muslims, Christians, Yazidis, Sabais, Mandais, Alawis, those, and all these, all this chaos, and sectarian groups: Shia, Sunni, Sunnis, uh, Sufis, and all kinds of other states. If, on the contrary, the successful states are homogeneous groups. Uh, Kuwait, for example, belongs to one clan named Al Sabah. Al Sabah. Uh, So it's a different word. It's the the, the clan of Sabah. Uh, Qatar belongs to Al-Shani. Dubai belongs to Al-Maktoum. Abu Dhabi belongs to Al-Nahyan. Saudi Arabia belongs to Al- Saud. Saud? Yes. When you have one group, Al, one family, which was the state, The state is legitimate, the state is stable, the state works, the state functions. If they have oil like Abu Dhabi and Kuwait, they are rich because of the oil. If they don't have oil like Dubai, they are rich because of the business. And and where does democracy sit in that? Democracy, it's a Western world, which is viewed in the Middle East as some kind of foreign culture. Which some countries still think that it can be imposed on Islamic and Arab societies. There is not even one real democracy in the Arab and the Islamic world. Not even one state. Why? Because democracy, what is democracy? what are the components of democracy? A women's rights, gays and lesbians' rights, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom from religion. Okay? All these freedoms are either totally or partially rejected in Islamic societies. What? Freedom of women to do whatever they like, with whoever they like, whenever they like? This is totally unacceptable in traditional societies as we see in the Middle East. Uh, Gays and lesbians' rights? Forget it. Uh, Freedom from religion? You know what will happen to you if you are a Muslim? And you announce that you leave Islam only because you don't like it. You know what will happen to you? I read that kill you at once. Yes, I read that. They will kill, you immediately. Yes. We kill you at once, yes. Yes. Okay, so it means that the what we deem, we we the democratic countries or democratic societies, what we deem as sacred cornerstones of democracy is totally rejected, totally. Unacceptable in in Islamic and Arab societies, and therefore there is not even one real dem- democratic country in the Islamic world. And that says so. In, in order to import democracy, you have to change the system to download a new system to the minds and hearts of the people all over the Middle East. Either it might work with a cell phone. When you when you download an update to your to your uh, system, it doesn't work. When it comes to people, in January 2023, you uh, made
1: an interview with BBC, and you talk about the explosion, the crisis in Gaza, and the and I think and I remember that you talk about something which happened now. Which happened now, and you are so brave to talk about the crisis is in the Islam principle. It's not con- co- uh, consistency in and uh, the relationship between Jewish and Arab. No, no, no. It's about Islam principles. So, what about what do you see now about the massacre in seven of October?
0: Trouble. What do you see Look, uh, I have a book. Actually, it is here. Let me show you the book. I actually go, I I read it whenever I can. Let me show you. The military theories between the preparations and planning. And this is an objective Quranic research. Written by Abdel Hadi Said Al Ara, who was one of the founding fathers of Hamas from the ideological point of view. This book is actually his MA thesis, which was written in 2005. And then uh, he actually explains in this book how the ideology of Hamas is actually a direct derivation from the Quran and the Hadith. Means if somebody comes to say that Hamas is no Islam, uh, Hamas is a deviation of Islam, Hamas is something which was hijacked, uh, Islam hijacked by by terrorists, you have to face this book. Because in this book, he proved that everything which they believe in is actually written in the Quran and the Hadith. It's based mainly on the Quran and the Hadith. And, and 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 this is a problem. Look, even ISIS, which what Hamas did is very similar in what they did in, in October the seventh to burn people, to rape girls, and you know things to cut organs of people. You know they cut breasts of ladies. Who in the right mind would do such a thing? And this actually reminds us very much of, of ISIS. And if and when you read. What ISIS were writing, it's the same thing. They were basing their deeds, their actions, on the Quran and the Hadith as well. So so what? Are they representing uh, Islam or not? By the
1: way, Sinwar uh, talked about Abdul Hadi many times, and he's uh, like his teacher in Abdelhadi. Is it available in English, by the way?
0: I, I don't I don't know, I have no idea. Uh, we you, you can look at that. Uh, I intend to translate it uh, to Hebrew, maybe to English that way, to expose to the whole world how this uh, organization thinks, how these people think, what they are, what their are their motivations, and this is very important. And this is a book. It's not a a, 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 a sheet of paper which somebody scribbled something and uh,
2: threw it away. So I think there's been something, I think we can all agree, there's been something of an awakening in in Western minds, um, only a small one so far, that perhaps the ways we've spoken about the Israel-Palestinian conflict uh, are misguided and out of date. That seems to be, they seem to be reading it back a bit now, but at least I think October the 7th provided a very rude awakening. Um, To what extent do you think, theories like yours, ideas like yours of the Emirates and the sort of eight-state solution are able to gain ground in this moment, and to what extent are all these talks, two states
0: just lip service? Well, you just remind me that I didn't finish this idea. Since uh, there is a failing paradigm in the Arabic of multi-group states, which are failing, and one group state, which is successful. What I want to do is to emulate this winning paradigm, the successful paradigm, other than winning, rather than adopting the failing paradigm. Means, instead of creating a Palestinian state with many clans, and you know, they are very very clannish society. If your name is Jabri, or Kawasme, or Nachi, or Tamimi, or Abu Slena, you live in Hebron. If your name is Masri, or Tukan, or Shaka, you live in, in Nablus. If your name is Baruthi, you live in Ramallah. If, you la- if your name is Arikat, you live in uh, in uh, Jericho. If your name is Karmi, you live in Turkaran And this is how it works. They are a very clannish society. They don't get married with each other to that, to that degree. So let's emulate the paradigm which works in the Middle East, the clan state. Okay, let's have an emirate in Hebron, an emirate in Jericho, another one in Ramallah, and so forth in the Arab cities in Judea and Samaria, while Israel should remain forever in the rural areas, offer Israeli citizenship to the villagers. And this is, if, you, if they want to have a federation, let's have a federation, like the United Arab Emirates, which is a federation, like the Union, the European Union. And then, and and let them live live in peace with us, because emirates, which are based on one clan, they don't look for enemies, because they are the legitimate uh, owners of the place, and this is like a nation state, small, yet functioning. Which is the clan of Gaza? Oh, Gaza, Gaza uh, has, has many clans, but Gaza is traditionally divided to five districts, um, administrative division. And what I think that today, after we get rid of Hamas, hopefully, uh, you can implement the same thing on Gaza by taking the administrative, traditional division of Gaza and make, make it into an Emirates, in the north, Beit to the south of it is the city of Gaza, to the south is Dil al-Balak, to the south is Pan and to the south is Rafah. Okay? And these are the five Emirates, which can be based on the local clans, rather than uh, Hamas or the PA, which is anyway a failing state, because it is not representing the clans. They are illeg- The PA is illegitimate. Just like Hafiz Assad and Bashar Assad is illegitimate in Syria, Saddam Hussein in uh, Iraq, and, and, uh, and this, is, this is the problem of Gaddafi in Libya, because they all represented only one small group, which controlled all the other groups by force, by the weapons, by the uh, torture dungeons, And and this is why the regimes in these failing states are illegitimate. While in the Gulf, the Flandish states, the regime is legitimate, they are us. And you know, the, the leading families in the Gulf are the same leading families who were leading the clans 200 years ago when they were riding camels in the desert. Okay, today they are riding golden Lamborghinis, and it's the same thing because the camel is four and four, and the Lamborghini is also four and four. The camel has leather seats, and so is the Lamborghini. The only the only difference is the velocity. It's it's only technical. What I mean is that they preserve the tradition. Of course, they use modern tools. But the society is traditional. The state is traditional. The law of those states is the traditional law. As and a result of why...
1: that, uh, as a result of that, Doctor, from the first time after what happened in October seven El Azhar said that it's a resistance. It's a note, It's a resistance from Hamas. Look, I I'm not this is su-
0: such an hypocrisy because Hamas are no different from the Gama'at. But Egypt. about the Azhar, I talk about Al Azhar. Well, that's why I'm this is an hypocrisy. Okay. Because the, the, the Al Azhar will not give disapproval to the Gama'a Islamiyya to the Nakul Min Al to the Jihad, uh, uh, the Egyptian Jihad, Jihad uh, uh, movement, uh, the Naqoon Min al-Nar, All these, all, all these Gama'a All these groups, the radical groups, uh, are more or less like Hamas. What is the difference between the groups and Hamas? There's no difference. So since Al-Azhar would never uh, give any approval to the Gama'at, to the groups in Egypt, why does it uh, endorse Hamas? Because they don't act against the Egyptians. And just to remind you, Hamas also acted against Egypt. They bursted into the prison and they released Mursi and other Muslim brothers who were in the in, in jail. Uh, they actually supported Al Qaeda in Sinai and the uh, Aknaf Beit al the another terrorist group which was affiliated to the yes. ISIS. like the Maktas group, yes. Mm-hmm. So, so Hamas are actually the same as the Gamahat, as the uh, radical groups of Egypt. So why is this hypocrisy that the Al-Azhar uh, 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 legitimizes Hamas while denies any legitimacy from those Egyptian uh, groups which the regime in the time of Mubarak, the time of Morsi, in the time look even in the time of Morsi, who was representing the representative of Muslim Brotherhood, they had a giant uh, terror attack in El Arish. They killed hundreds of Egyptians, those groups,
1: yes. the, the yes. ISIS. Officers
0: and, and the uh, citizens, yes. So, and how? in Ramadan, in Ramadan, in the, Ramadan, right, in Ramadan. Ramadan. In huh? the Holy Mount. Yes. So I, I really cannot understand the Al-Azhar, uh, which legitimizes Hamas, who is no different from those, Gamar, from those uh, groups in Egypt. I want to ask you a bit about offense.
2: Because one of the things that I think made that Al Jazeera clip, that famous Al Jazeera clip of yours so famous, was that you caused defence. And similarly, there was a bit of a controversy, I think, over your comments about rape as a deterrent for uh, the behaviours, the the worst behaviours of Islamic extremism, which you clarified and said you never suggested that rape should be a deterrent used to stop that. But what I want to ask you is, is offence? Part of how you communicate your message, and is there a reason for that? Is it partly because you feel that is speaking their language, not just in terms of Arabic versus English or Hebrew, but also in terms of the way we speak to one another in what is quite an aggressive neighborhood?
0: Look, uh, watching the the British media, it is like a ping pong game, you know, with hints here, hints there. The Arab media is a free wrestling with iron chairs and tables. Just to compare the atmosphere. In the armed media, you cannot act like as if you are in the BBC or Sky News. It doesn't work. You lost the battle before you started it. In the Arab media, you have, you know, in Rome, speak like a Roman. You know, okay. And this is why when I, when, and when I, See a hostile attitude from the broadcaster. I can be hostile as well. It, it, you, I cannot. You cannot speak nicely when people are abusing you. And uh, unfortunately, Jamal Rayan is the He's worst He a Jordanian from Palestine. Yes. So, uh, you no. Know, he, he is actually in a media jihad against Israel. Uh, yes, Jamal yes. Rayan. I Instead, think media jihad, yes.
2: by the way, it's, it's a really good phrase because that media jihad, I think they've hijacked the British polite ping-pong and that media jihad still is conducted in the Western and British media just in this weird, polite sort of way. What? but,
0: uh, but uh, our media is impolite totally. You yep. cannot uh, speak nicely. If you know, you, the... uh, yes, you know you what, what
1: makes Yan and Al-Jazeera crazy from the doctor. doctor say... Give me one word to Jerusalem in Quran. Jamal said, "SubhanAllah, Asra min al-Aqsa." You said, "No, not in Zab- It's not Quran. It's a Tafsir."
0: So, no, the, <laughs> I remember. The Al-Aqsa, the Al-Aqsa is mentioned one time in the Quran, but Al-Aqsa originally was not in Jerusalem. The Al-Aqsa, which is mentioned in the Quran, is in, in a Saudi in a Saudi um, little town named Juharana which is 29 kilometers to the northeast from Mecca. And, and, uh, you know, Laqsa is the the, the further one. And they have two mosques. According to Arab historians, Ibn Khalikan al waqidi and other Arab historians, in this village, there were two mosques, one closer and one further. The closer mosque was named Al-Masjid Al-Adna, means the closer mosque, and the other one, which was on the other side of the of the valley, which was near the town, uh, was named al Masjid al-Aqsa, the further mosque. Only after the the revolution of Abdullah ibn Zubayr, who prevented the Umayyads from coming to Hajj in 682, 50 years after Muhammad died. The Umayyads declared that the Al-Aqsa, which is mentioned in the Quran, is actually in Jerusalem. In order to divert the Hajj from Mecca to Jerusalem, so the Umayyad Umayyad will come to Jerusalem instead of Mecca. So in order to convince them, they said that the the, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is mentioned in the Quran, is actually in Jerusalem and not in Jerusalem. Okay. And they concocted, and they made many stories because the Hadith was on on those days. So you can create whatever you like. And they created many, many stories about the Al-Aqsa in Jerusalem. And of course, everything is quoted from the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, in order to convince the people to come to Hajj, to Jerusalem, rather than going down south to Mecca. And the whole thing about the Jerusalem is because of this. You can I, I didn't invent it. You can read Ibn Khalikan, you can read Al-Waqidi, you can read uh, uh, Al-Samhudi, who talks about it. And only recently, a, a, a Saudi, Saudi guy named Osama, um, forgot his second name, uh, he, he, he published an, a, a whole article in Al the official Saudi newspaper, under the title "Aina Yaka al Madad Aqsa." Where is the Al Aqsa Mosque located? And he says the whole thing about the lives of Omar, or the, the Umayyads and the fact that uh, the Al Aqsa is actually and originally and really in Juharana in the in the Hijaz. okay and, and the palestinians are mad at him um, because of what he what he published about this because it's actually pulls the rag under the, the the palestinian plane to jerusalem which actually is the basis of the palestinian plane to the whole land of uh, the, the land of israel just to show you this scarf which the palestinians are uh, producing and this is, and I have it always, this is on the one side that this is the Palestinian, the PLO flag, right? And here it says Al-Qudslana, means Jerusalem is ours, and the dome of the rock, which resembles the Aqsa Mosque. And on the other side, Sea from the river to the sea. And they see the connection because they understand that if Jerusalem will be theirs, the whole country will be theirs. Why? Because without Zion, there is no Zionism. And this is why they demand Jerusalem as their capital in order to take it out from the Jewish people because they know the history that the First Temple, the Second Temple, were all in Jerusalem. And this actually is written even in the al mosual the Palestinian Encyclopedia. It's written there, but in order to deny the right of the Jews to this country, they want to take Jerusalem, which is our capital for 3,000 years, where their forefathers were drinking wine, worshipping idols and idolatresses, and burying the daughters alive, according to their own history, not according to myself. So, this is the whole struggle of the Jerusalem. It is actually the struggle about the whole Palestine, uh, because they view it, uh, the... the the gathering of the Jews in this country, the establishing of the State of Israel, the, government, the Israeli governing over Jerusalem, and Jews are actually praying at the Temple Mount. They see it as a theological threat on Islam. Because Islam is Din Haq, according to the Islamic uh, allegation, means religion of truth, while Judaism and Christianity are Din batri. Din batri means religion of falsehood, religion which is not a void. Why the state of Israel actually is a resurrection of Judaism, and this is why they cannot take it. But that is why the fight against Israel is a fight for the validity of Islam. Because if the Judaism comes back to life in the form of state, army, government, ruling of Jerusalem, and Jews' fighting in Jerusalem, this is something which they cannot take. Because it immediately brings the question: What is the role of Islam in the world if Judaism comes back to life? Because Islam came to the world to cancel Judaism and Christianity. This is why Islam is the only din hak, while Judaism and Christianity are din battle, and Jews have to live as dhimmis under the yoke of Islam. And here, the Jews understand. And an army, and they fight, and kill Muslims. This is against the rules of physics, according to the, and, and this is why the war against us is basically a religious war. On this, you have about territory, about all kinds of other things. But the basis, the basis of the fight against Israel is a religion, a religious basis. How do I know? Hamas names is Harakat al Mukawam al Islami, means. The Islamic resistance uh, 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 movement, Islamic, not Palestinian, not national, not patriotic, Islamic.
2: Thank you very much for, for joining us. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you and we could speak for hours, but this has been really enlightening. It, it, it's our pleasure to have hosted you. Thank you, Dr. Tudarabba. <laughs> Labriut. Sahab well that's fascinating from Madul Khaikadar there, I think. Lots of food for thought.
1: Amazing and you you use? he's amazing. Absolutely. He's amazing. He's amazing. And they talk about many points about Arab and Islam. So associated so points and the so amazing. Well that's all we've got time for this episode, but do join us again for
2: another episode of Peace Talk and let's hope that more talk can lead to more peace. Inshallah.